Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to today's episode of the Commercial Connection Podcast, the first of the year. Happy 2022. It's great to have you. Wishing you and yours a happy new year. Um, on today's show, I'm really excited. Recent friend, Brandon Burns, with Investors 1031 Exchange out of Southern California. Brandon, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks, Spencer. I appreciate you having me on. Um, there's there's nothing more that I enjoy than talking to people about real estate and 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 trends and you know some of the perspectives that we have as a qualified intermediary, being able to sit yeah. kind of at a bird's eye view yeah. across so many transactions. Pleasure to be here. So for those listening, Brandon's a young guy. Uh, he lives in an industry with a lot of gray hair. And we'll get we'll get to that in a second. But Brandon, let's let's learn about you. Tell us hobbies, interests, family. What do you like to do on the weekends? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my hobbies were much more prolific before the pandemic. Um, <laughs> they've certainly slowed down. Um, you, know, you know, as have I. Uh, Fifteen or twenty years ago, I really enjoyed playing basketball. Um, uh, and I considered myself fairly good. I, I played on some summer teams with some guys that went to the NBA. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went uh, and played a, a pickup game and uh, hurt my back. <laughs> man. Old age. Oh, man. Catches up to us all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see here on, the, on your background, you went to Baylor. And I did. right before I we started to. recording, yeah, right before we started recording, you know, tough loss to Texas Tech. At the time, they were undefeated, number one in the country. Uh, they have the championship in their scope. I think, that, I mean, they could win it. They could really win it all again. I mean, it's just really cool. It, it is really cool. And, you know, one of the things that I think we see, or I certainly see, is you know, when, when you're in an environment, you feel like that environment may not change, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think Baylor basketball is a really good representation of, of how that may not be true. Um, when I was an undergrad in 2003, one of the Baylor basketball players shot another Baylor basketball player. Um, the coach, Dave Bliss, in the ensuing scandal was caught paying some players, cheating mm -hmm. somehow. And uh, that the, the program was in disarray. Um, and, and it was a very dark time. And at the time, it seemed, you know, ba Baylor's probably not going to be relevant ever in basketball. They brought in a young guy um, who had some unique approaches. And, and, and now, you know, fast forward 18, 19 years later, we have a national championship last year, you know, uh, up until last week, we're undefeated team in the country. And so, you know, first of all, I love Baylor, you know, when, went, went there for undergrad and then uh, eight years later uh, did my MBA there. But, but, but it's, it's really cool to look at the perspective and think, you know, where we are today is not where we're going to be forever, whether that's a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. And it's important to enjoy the moments when they're good, you know? Yeah. It's like the process, right? We have to, we have to love the process. I had yeah. a, I had a, um, an employer boss mentor. He, he would always say, you need to learn to love to be corrected, right? And at the time, I was like, come on. But, <laughs> That's not fun. Yeah, right? Like, who loves to be corrected? No one does. And yet, 
there's always been these times of correction in our life and they've led to hopefully good things, right? Hopefully good things. So learn to love to be corrected. Yeah. Um, you're out of California. What, what city do you live in? San Diego. So our headquarters are in San Diego. Um, we have an office in LA, an office in Dallas, an office in Salt Lake. Um, San Diego's nice. My, my wife's from Temecula. Oh, and nice. A couple, couple of our kids were born up there in Marietta. So, oh, uh, you know, that's not San Diego. It's the Inland Empire, which I always thought was a really unique name. But uh, love that part of the country. Love the, the coastal weather. So nice. So nice. So anyway, I say that as it's like 32 degrees outside up here. In <laughs> Sometimes it's worth paying the sunshine tax. My, uh, my, my dad came and, and visited me. Um, for the first time, I think in the winter, um, I've been here six years, and 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 he he was his comment was it's almost worth paying the sunshine tax yeah. to have the seventy degree winters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I think I want to open this up asking you, Brandon, um, what did you see in twenty twenty one? What trends did you start to see, or what trends were starting in twenty twenty one? New new 1031 exchange strategies. What'd you see? Recap 2021 for us from the eyes of a of a of a qualified intermediary. Yeah, you know, the beauty of, of being a qualified intermediary is you know, we sit kind of bird's eye view over so many transactions. You know, we're processing, you know, five, 10 transactions a day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that kind of gives us a little bit of a unique peek into, into you know what's happening. Um, 2021, like 2020, was was obviously a an interesting year. There certainly were a lot of, um, I, th I think, uh, a political and and sometimes as a subset of that, geographic things. Yeah. You know, for for example, um, in 2021, we saw a, a bit more of a resurgence in retail exchanges than I, I would have thought otherwise. Um, um, which which I think is really interesting. Uh, another Really interesting fact. Real quick, when you say that, are you saying uh, landlords of retail are were selling, or people were going into retail? Well, both, right? Because there's, there's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so we we saw probably more smaller retail than I I would have thought trade hands. Um, um, you know, we we probably did three or four a month in 2020, and we maybe did six or seven a month in 2021, which, you know, I, I, there were certainly factors that played in, right? You know, uh -huh. on some of these smaller retail, they had pads and restaurants and, mm -hmm. and other things where some outlook was different, right? Yeah. Um, but, but that was certainly a surprising trend. Um, uh, another very surprising trend that's happening in California is, um, is, is the hospitality space. So I have a, a, a good friend and referral partner who does um, uh, a, a, a real estate tax abatement work, and he works for a large firm. And he they they went and, and they they signed up a lot of hotels for um, um, uh, to to lower their their real estate taxes. Mm -hmm. And when they went in and actually looked at the numbers, many of the hotels in California have have significantly outperformed in 2021. Not only because I think there was a resurgence in traveling, but also because many cities were dealing with 
the homeless people mm -hmm. and um, some uh, 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 people that were seeking asylum in the United States. Yeah. And those were kind of big targets for some of the politicians. And, you know, the last three months, I, I've probably had seven or eight exchanges of hotels that are being bought by municipalities to house homeless or, or people who are seeking asylum across the border. And I think that is, that's not something I would have expected at all. That's very unique. So local governments are buying hotels like, like, a, like, like a La Quinta or, or like a motel in converting it into uh, state-run state low-income housing sort of a thing? Essentially, <clears throat> right. Um, and and not, not really low-income housing, but, but, but maybe almost a government's version of an Airbnb. Yeah, <laughs> right? wow. Um, and the, the, the normal valuations that are in place you know, don't really apply. So, so you know, I'm in the middle of an exchange on a Radisson Hotel, and the local municipality came in and said, hey, we, we, we need to do this for numbers that include but are not limited to financial metrics. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to overpay potentially about 20% over, over what it would go for otherwise. Yeah. Um, and we're going to use it for um, uh, homeless and, and some of the overflow from, from some of the asylum uh, border uh, 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 trends of people that we have. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Thought that was really unique, right? Wow. Wow. Okay, cool. What else have you seen? Um, single family has, I think, continued to grow. And that's from an investment standpoint, right? So all mm -hmm. my perspectives at 1031 exchanges only work for, for investment properties or, or properties you use for business purposes. Yeah. Um, we've seen quite a bit more in, in different parts of the country, uh, single family 1031 exchanges. An example is Texas. So in Texas, uh, they had the savings and loan crisis in the early 90s, um, and, and they had kind of a, a, a run up in single family. But, but really, since 94, there, there hasn't been a, 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 a strong appreciation, at, at least where it makes sense to do an exchange, you know, because Texas doesn't have any state taxes. So you know, the, the taxable burden of, of, of not doing an exchange is a little bit lower there. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've seen just a, a huge growth in single family 1031 exchanges as, you know, I, I think a part of it is, you know, some families had bought a house, maybe they've moved up and it's been a rental for, you know, yeah. eight or 10 years now. Right. Um, so, and then, you know, I, I think at the same time, not only have home prices grown, but single family has become an institutional asset class, right? So, so that's continued to, to push demand while we have limited supply. So, so I think that's also unique. You know, I think, I think a couple of years ago, single family was maybe 10% of our business. And today it's probably 35%. Mm. So that's a significant growth. Most, you know, I call those like the accidental landlords, right? Where <laughs> they buy, they buy at a great price. They live in it for you know, two, three, four, whatever, however many years, and then they get transferred or they end up moving, you know, up, you know, have a couple kids and then they, they need more space or whatever. And then they hear on the radio or they, they listen to bigger pod, bigger pockets or whatever, or they read a couple blogs and they're like, oh, turn it into a rental. Right. And so they try to be a landlord and, you know, it's, just, and then, 
I found that kind of landlord type really has never really heard of a 1031 exchange. Don't know what, don't know what it is, right? Because they're, they're better at being an optometrist or a plumber or <laughs> uh, a, a, a develop like a developer, right? They're, right? they're way better at that than being like a real estate investor. And once they know about a 1031 exchange, they're like, okay, so I can get rid of something that's a little bit of a headache because I don't really like changing sprinkler heads and hunting down rent checks or whatever, right? And, and they could move it into another asset, another investment property that kind of fits more their personality, right? Or whatever. A hundred percent. I was on the yeah. phone this morning with, uh, with a lender. Um, uh, there's a client who had an Airbnb in, uh, in Big Bear and yeah. they're selling it and they're buying something a little closer so that mm-hmm. you know, it, can, it can be difficult in vacation communities to um, uh, find reliable uh, help um, and, and it can be difficult to manage from a distance. And so they're moving it closer. And, and as I walked through the numbers with the lender, um, you know, it, was, it was a residential lender and, and, and he, was, he was blown away by the power of a 1031 exchange. Yeah, yeah. And his, his comment was, you know, this is, I can't believe I haven't been doing more of this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool, so cool. Anything else you want to talk about from 2021? Um, probably the other bigger trend that we saw was um, a significant uptick in reverse exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably had a 200% increase in reverse exchanges. We probably typically did maybe one, 1.2 a week. And, and, and now we're doing sometimes 50 or 20 a month uh, on Why? reverse exchanges. Why is um, that up? I have a theory. So, but I want to hear from you. Why? <laughs> my what 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 I'm consistently hearing is, you know, folks know they can sell what they have, right? Uh-huh. They they feel confident that they can get a good offer. They feel confident they can get the price they want. Yeah, but they're not always confident that they can close on a a, a replacement property that they love within the timeframes afforded by the 1031 exchange. Uh-huh. Or they've said, hey, you know, I I may want to sell. Um, uh, at some point in the future, and then suddenly they come across, you know, a fantastic replacement property. Or the, I think the third kind of trigger was some of the uncertainty around the current administration's um, um, outlook. Um, and so it, it, I think some people moved a little bit faster than they would have otherwise. Yeah. And a reverse exchange, while it's a little bit more expensive and there's a little bit more moving parts, it allows people to take the risk off the table. And, you know, in this environment where, um, you know, the, the, the value is up so dramatically for someone to say, Hey, you know what, I, I'm going to spend a little bit more money here, but I'm going to completely eliminate the risk of finding yeah. a replacement property. Yeah. I, I think that's incredibly attractive to some folks. Those that I, we talk to that do reverse they're, they're, they're opportunistic, you know, they kind of know what they want and boom, down the street or whatever, they get wind that something could be for sale or is for sale. And you're right. Like same theory. Uh, that's going to be gone really soon, so they better jump on it. And they know that they could sell their their current uh, investment property right away. And so for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then the last trend that, that I would say is we're seeing more and more active investors go into passive investments. Um, you know, just because the market is so hot, and 
And you know, there, there's a number of folks that, that I've spoken with, probably a significant number, where they've done 1031 exchanges over time. And, 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 and they're, not, they're, they're not fully aware of how hot the market is yeah. or how compressed some of these cap rates have become. So you know, they get approached with an unsolicited offer. They say, wow, this is you know, an incredible offer. Very excited about this. They start moving down the path. They you know, start talking to us, they set up an exchange and, and they start looking around and they're blown away. They're flabbergasted that you can't find good multifamily at mm-hmm. a six cap anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or the, you know, especially in, in some of the dollar ranges that some of these folks are in. You know, if, you, if you have less than you know, 5 million in equity, that, that pool, there's, there's a lot of people right now, it's wild, who have a couple million dollars in equity and are trying to make moves. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've, we've certainly seen probably, probably, probably doubling of, of our exchange clients that go into passive investments, whether they're ticks or DSTs. Um, and that's, that's, that's certainly another trend that I, I think yeah. will probably continue as the market stays so hot. Um, thank you for sharing, Brandon. Um, I'd like to get your outlook on 2022 and just, you know, where do you see positives? Where do you see kind of red flags, if there are any? And then uh, let's end with uh, what advice do you have for realtors and landlords? Yeah. So I think 2022 is going to be a great year. I, I think really what could potentially slow down the growth that mm-hmm. we're seeing is, is a consolidation in the credit markets. So, you know, right now, I think debt is probably a little bit mispriced. Um, and, and that's a function of, um, I would really recommend if, if you haven't Spencer or you know, anyone on this call, just, just Google the, the, the St. Louis fed M one money supply. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the M one money supply is up 500%. Um, and so, you know, when, when we look around and say, you know, gosh, why have we seen such a, a, a surge in things like Robinhood or crypto or, or, or real estate or, or other investments, cars, right? Car, car values are up dramatically. I believe that's a large, a large part of that. Uh, obviously, there's multiple factors, but I believe a large part of that is because there's just more money in the system and there's more people who have money while at the same time, you know, there's, there's been, you know, uh, uh, building constraints, there's been, you know, car manufacturing constraints from chip standpoints and, and yeah. otherwise. And so I, I think we, we have this kind of significant growth in the money supply. At the same time, um, the banking system, is, you know, what, what are they going to do with these deposits, right? And I think it's difficult to make really good loans at times based on the amount of deposits that are available. And so, you know, they, they have to put that in the Fed funds window and, and the, you know, Fed funds rate is I think 18 basis points or, or was at least a week or two ago. So, you know, there's, there's, I, I think, I think our, our credit system is, is, is saying we have all these funds that we have to do something with, we have to make a spread on it and, and, and we're going to continue to make loans. Um, and, and I think that factor is probably in, in my opinion, driving some credit policies more than than the risk um and, and so so i believe credit is mispriced and i i think you know gosh if you can get uh, a, a loan on an asset and you're paying three or four percent 
And that asset is going to grow at inflation, which mm-hmm. uh, is 7%, um, then you know, th- there's a chance to make a, a, a great spread. Um, and, and I think that's fueling things. I, I think once the, or if the credit system really tightens up, um, I, I, think, I think we're gonna see a big slowdown. So, but, but I don't think we're going to see a slowdown really until that happens. And that, you know, could be quite some time. So, so it's going to be interesting, right? If, if in Q3, Q3, something odd happens and, and lenders, you know, really step back from the market, um, I think that'll slow things down. But, but otherwise, I think we're going to continue to have a, a pretty solid run. Um, you, you know, I, I, I think, I think, um, uh, tenants are are in as good or better place than than they've been, um, and and I, I I don't see much else that can really slow down the run in the short term than there are. You think uh, investors ten thirty one will do more exchanges this year in twenty twenty two than than twenty twenty one? Yeah, you know. So what's what's interesting about the qualified intermediary space is that. Like you said, you know, most people who who are in this space tend to be people who who are, who are really more toward the tail end of their careers, mm-hmm. and and because of that, and because of the, the I think the surge the markets had, there's not a lot of people that are going out and giving a lot of education, and, and that's a gap that I think as a company we've done a really good job of filling. Yeah. So we grew about three hundred percent this year. And I think we can grow three to 400% again in 2022. And really that's just a function of, of putting good data in the market, trying to educate people, you know, going out, banging on doors, making sure that, uh, that, that sellers understand the, the dramatic benefits of a 1031 exchange, that um, everyone in the real estate community has a resource that they can go to. You know, I yeah. often, almost always give my cell phone to people say, you know, you feel free to text me. It, and and, and I, I feel like some other exchange companies are, are, are still kind of leaning on some of the relationships that they've had. Um, you know, maybe, maybe someone who's been in the business for 40 or 50 years isn't as comfortable with texting and, yeah. and some of these other things. So, so I think the QI industry is, 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 is fairly open and, and ripe for for, for people that are willing to work hard. And, and I think that's what we've seen over the past 12 to 24 months for sure. Uh, for those listening, what Brandon's talking about is his uh, proliferation of information over social media, especially uh, Instagram, right? Yeah, so, so, so we, we really focus on making sure that um, people in the real estate community have resources that they can use with their clients. Um, uh, I make a lot of memes on Instagram that are 1031 exchange related that, that make me laugh and hopefully they make other people laugh. Um, we do a lot of educational events. Um, and, and you know, I, I set aside two to four hours a day just, just to talk one-on-one or conference yeah. calls with people to make sure they have good data, right? Because I think with good data, you can make good decisions. And with bad data or a lack of data, you'll make a random decision. And so, you know, we're really focused as a company on equipping people in the marketplace to make the best decisions for themselves. And, and, and that's, that's been very prolific. Follow Brandon 
at Brandon dot the ten thirty one guy on Instagram. And, I mean, Brandon be prepared to laugh, right? Be, be prepared to laugh, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's it's fun. So, you you do a lot of education. Let's wrap up here with uh, what advice would you give a realtor, and what advice would you give a landlord? Yeah. So for a realtor, you know, there's there's been some uncertainty in the markets and and some real estate professionals that have have communicated the updates of the uncertainty, I think have have been able to do well, right? So for example, Biden, when he was on the campaign trail, said we're going to eliminate 1031 exchanges. They're gone. Um, once he got elected, he presented to a joint session of Congress. This is, you know, um, probably almost a year ago at this time, yeah. or, or yeah. two-thirds of a year ago, and said, we're going to eliminate 1031 exchanges above 500,000. Know, what does that mean? Is that per deal, per person, per year? Who knows? Um, but to date, has not introduced any legislation to actually do that, luckily for mm -hmm. me. <laughs> um, but but I, I think some of the real estate professionals that are out there that really kind of communicated these things and stayed in front of potential clients, I think they've done well. Um, and I think staying abreast, um, um, you know, Airbnb laws in California are dramatically changing. Um, yeah. and, and being able to communicate that to clients, I think not only keeps you top of mind, but builds trust. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had a number of, you know, real estate professional partners that, you know, they've every, every quarter they've pushed out this information or some information related to that. And I think that's driven some of their business, which is, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, from a landlord perspective, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, to make a sweeping brush, right? Because, you know, the, I believe that, that real estate is continuing to, 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 to become more localized, right? And yeah. a, an asset class in Texas that's fantastic may not be an asset class in California that's fantastic, right? Um, I think as we're seeing some of these politicians uh, wield power, uh, both positively and negatively, um, um, I, I think there's more room for arbitrage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and anytime there's arbitrage, that's a good thing, but you can also have reverse arbitrage, which, you know, arbitrage obviously is um, um, essentially being able to take advantage of um, a situation where, where a buyer or a seller may not have all the information and, and are willing to pay different prices. Um, and, and, and so, you know, for landlords, I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, just continuing to make sure that their, their tenants are good, right. Being aware of that, you know, there's, there's certainly a number of tenants, I, I think often in the office space that um, um, are doing a better job right now, maybe than they've ever done in in communicating with tenants mm -hmm. being aware of where their business is um, um uh, potentially working with them right you know I, I think we saw a lot of that maybe a year year and a half ago where there in the retail space there's a lot of uncertainty um some of the landlords uh, got together with banks and tenants and and tried to make sure that everything was set no matter what the situation happened whether that was doing a little bit of rent relief and the bank working with them or, or otherwise. But, you know, I, I have a, I have a couple of clients that I've really grown to respect that are, that are large office players. And, and I, I think the reason that they're doing well right now is because they're, they're, they're diving into those 
tenant relationships more than they ever have. Yeah. So, you know, while it's difficult, I think to, to say like a landlord should do this, I, I think maybe the, the one thing I could say is as a landlord, just, just make sure you have a relationship with the tenant and make sure it's the best that it possibly can be so that it gives you a little bit of a heads up, you know, should something take a turn and you're not blindsided. Yeah. Thank you, Brandon. What, you're a sage, man. Thank you for sharing. No, appreciate it. No, appreciate it's, it. It's, it's literally not me. I, I, I think I'm incredibly blessed to be, like I said, you know, on the top, you know, an exchange doesn't cost very much, right? Yeah. Um, and an exchange, we charge a flat fee um, and it's a little bit over $1,000 for a forward exchange. Mm-hmm. And so because that's a, a, a low margin, kind of high volume item, that, that just lets me sit, like I said, bird's eye at so many transactions and I get to have so many great conversations with with incredible powerful people and I I just I'm I'm very lucky to be in the space that cool. I'm at. Cool. Brandon, we appreciate you for all of our listeners. You don't have to live in California to talk to Brandon. You could live in North Dakota and he could help you with your exchange. You're if you're a real estate agent or a landlord of any kind, uh the 1031 exchange qualified intermediary world is not bound by state lines. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. The, it's, so it's, it's, the, it's the federal tax code and it's, it's actually section 1031, right? Yeah. Um, um, and so it applies federally, um, uh, but you cannot do a 1031 exchange internationally, um, which I've gotten a few of those questions recently, mm-hmm. but, but in the 50 contiguous states in Alaska, you can do that. So if you have questions, Hey, he texts, he texts, reach out to him, call him, text him, whatever you want to do and ask him, pick his brain before like a major decision that cannot be reversed is made, right? <laughs> you're thinking about, you're thinking about selling a rental, thinking about selling vacant land, whatever, call him, ask him, pick his brain, right? And, you know, make sure you don't touch the money and you have 45 days after to identify and 180 days after the close to purchase and Brandon can walk you through it A to Z and just kind of hold your hand and answer questions and make sure all the T's are crossed and the I's dotted in the eyes of the IRS. So, totally agree. And, and, and Spencer, the, the, the one horror story that I occasionally come across mm-hmm. is when, when, when people don't start conversations soon enough, yeah. Um, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got off the phone with a guy and I, I almost wanted to cry. He had sold an industrial building and it was cross collateralized with some other assets that he had. Mm-hmm. He made about four and a half million dollars in equity. I think it sold mm-hmm. for maybe eight or nine million. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he spent a lot of time talking to the lender because of the cross collateralization aspect. Mm-hmm. And he called me five days after the close and said, hey, I would like to do a 1031 exchange. And I had to break the news to him. You, you have to set things up prior to selling your property yeah. or it becomes a taxable event. Yeah. And, and, and I could just hear the heartbreak in his, I mean, yeah. I don't know if his tax bill was a million or two million. He already had another property lined up. So he literally, by not doing a 1031 exchange, he wiped out one to $2 million of, of equity of, of his dollars. Of hard work, of hard work, like, like, like up to $2 million of hard work, sacrifice gone. And now it's in Nancy Pelosi's wallet. 
<laughs> True story. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon, thank you uh, for all of our listeners. How um, how can they get a hold of you, Brandon? Do you want to share your cell phone number? Your your website is um, i ten thirty one x dot com. You can reach out to him on there and set up a free consultation if you want. Do you have a Absolutely. cell phone number, Brandon? So you want to share? Yeah. Feel free to go to the website. Give me a call. Give me a text. Our office number is eight five eight five three nine ten thirty one. Or my cell phone is 619-673-2693. Text me, call me, email me, brandon at i1031x.com. I'm here to be a resource. Um, and I don't have anything else to do. I, I don't have a wife, a kid, a dog. So if people aren't calling me, I am staring at my fridge and thinking about getting fat. So I really appreciate it people will reach out. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You should get a dog. You're, you're a dog person. Um, to all of our listeners, thank you. If you feel like this is a five-star quality production of, and, and great information, give us five stars. And we invite you to share with someone who you think will need this. So we appreciate that. So thank you all. And until next time, have a good day.